Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the second episode of the Ad News Podcast. I'm Rosie Baker, I'm the editor of Ad News, and I'm here with Rachel Mickler. And we've got joining us this morning Sean Cummins and Kirsty Muddle from Cummins and Partners. We are the morning after the Ad News Agency of the Year Awards, so a few dusty heads in the room this morning. Um, Sean, obviously you were entered into the Advertising Hall of Fame last night. You talked about some interesting topics in your speech. Tell me a little bit more about your your position on some of those things that you, you talked about and why they're the things that you think are important to be front of mind. Oh, well, first of all, what a great night and what a great honour to uh, get in the Ad News Hall of Fame. I'm still shaking my head and having feelings of unworthiness because it is such a a personally memorable and and exciting thing so thank you the things i spoke about last night didn't come up because they were kind of hot agendas for the moment i'm a product of the experiences that i've had in advertising and certainly if the boys club thing was an interesting topic it's only because even as a as a male, you feel that, and you and you're confronted by the the behaviours, the the rituals, the the, the sort of subconscious uh, things that, that happen. And there's two ways you can go: you can either fall into it and be a, a perpetrator of it, or you can just go, "I don't really like this. I don't want to do this," and uh, and forge your own path. There is a uh, certainly when I started in advertising, there was a, it was a boys' club. Women were there to make the coffee, go fetch food, and it's horrendous to think about it now. But it, it was it was the case. I, I think we've kind of moved a bit beyond that now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're probably still not completely out of the boys' club, and I think that's something that mm-hmm. definitely flared up in Australia in the last sort of six months. It's one of those topics that keeps coming back to. I mean, we've we've written about it. We kind of talking about that all the time but how do you how do you see that Kirsty in in the Australian market in terms of how far things have come or how far things still need to go clearly when you look at some of the you know drama that is mad men we've certainly moved on from that era um but there's there's still certain prejudice that exists I thought for a long time I used to say I used to get very uncomfortable about this topic because it had never affected me before but then I realised probably about a year ago that 
I didn't feel that because I was being celebrated and accoladed for being doing well in, in what we're doing, but as well as a woman could do. And then when I started to join the ranks of boards and you know different accolades, it, it, it is a bit of a battle going, I'm not here just because I'm a woman. So it's, it's slightly different. So you That's get a lot of... In, the yes. quotas kind of slope is difficult. Yes, it is. It's a tricky area and it's funny to see how it plays out. But I you know, honestly believe and that you need to prove your worth and contribute to the business to earn a you know, valid role. And if you are doing that, then that's the, the ultimate thing to be judged on. Absolutely. I mean, you, you said last night, Sean, about, you know, it'd be nice to see um, a woman in the Hall of Fame. And we absolutely yes. wholeheartedly agree with that. But we don't want to put someone in the Hall of Fame next year because they're a woman. No one wants to be there on that basis. So it's a, it's a really, it's a tricky one when you start going down that kind of quotas yep. route. But I think the answer probably lies in some of the structures that business allow more women to be in senior roles. And I don't think that it's because they're not capable. I just think it's simply because they're not there. But to take the sting out of it, um, I'll give you a historical thing. When I first got into advertising, mm. I walked around the streets of North Sydney, which is where all the agencies <laughs> were back then, when it was hip and groovy, before they moved to cheap location. And um, every creative director I met was English. And every creative director said to me, oh, look, your book's quite nice, but we don't hire Australian writers. We don't think uh, Australian writers can write. We get all our writers out of London. Now, that was a form of instant prejudice or bias. That probably shaped a lot of things about me. I knew that I was going to have to fight. The problem is when your career is a, is a fight and you have to prove yourself, it, it does two ways it can affect you. It can, it can make you bitter, it can make you um, constantly kind of feeling egregious about things, or you can just suck it up and give it a go and, sh- and show, and show what you can do. And if there's a, a metaphor in that for women, um, that, that would be we all face prejudices, prejudices of talent, prejudices of opportunity and the reason why I started my career in Melbourne is because I literally could not get a job in Sydney yeah. because UK creative directors thought Australians couldn't write. Have we moved on from that? I was actually <laughs> just thinking the exact same thing to be still honest. Very, still very English here, obviously. Uh, well, every, every accent last night that picked up and made a, made a, a speech was English. Now, this is not a, this is not a, a POM bashing, but, but if we're going to talk about, um, you know, uh, talk about identity, if we're going to talk about um, what, what is represented, that is an issue as well. Not a bad issue. But it is an issue. Representation so, is an issue. Yeah, it's it's a like hires like kind of mm-hmm. thing, and I I'm absolutely um, guilty of that. I I have a, a six person team, five of which are women, yeah. and it's it's not a deliberate strategy. Yep. But it, you know, you you pick the best person to fit in with the team and to fit in with the skill set. Mm. I'm pretty sure there's you know there's some unconscious bias there for me, but also it's a strength in the application. So it's. It goes in every single direction. It's not always a gender thing. But it is interesting. Uh, When I was going back over the... Trying to cram 30 years into three minutes, um, 
I was trying to really break down the people in your in your career. And I broke it down as as the mentors and your collaborators and your partners and your clients. And I I really just loved going back and thinking about mentors and thinking about the people who had the audacity to, to tell me stuff and it was so meaningful. And I I think that the there is a serious lack of mentoring going on. There's kind of these constructions happening where you can tell there's the mentor school or the mentor program or the, but it's but it's very sanitized. That's not mentoring. That is that is lecturing in another form. Mentoring is being side by side, showing the craft with the person in question, real time, yep. uh, working on the same project as a junior copywriter mm. and, 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 and really getting hands on and showing that person um, how to do it and then giving them, giving them little epithets. It's coaching. Yes. And, you know, an elite athlete does not go to a sem- seminar to hear someone say, kick the ball longer. And I just don't think that we have the ability here. We're everyone's so busy and going to meetings, but I don't think senior people are mentoring. Mm-hmm. The Is younger it a ones structural are. thing? I think, I think it's a structural thing. I think it, people forget. And I think we're losing that wonderful dynamic of young, excitable people wanting to get into it. And then they're just, they're just absolutely, yeah. their souls are destroyed because they never get a chance to talk to someone yeah. real. Or no one listens to them. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a, I think what you're particularly good at is you will be working with someone, but unless you're listening to what they're saying, you can't respond to their question and, and help them get to a better answer. But so you've got to listen as much as you do talk. Do you, do you sort of find that here with people that you know elsewhere across agencies, across, mm. across industry and media and creative? Do you, do you think that young people realise that they're missing that? Yes. Yeah, they, they know they're missing it. They want mentoring Private. better than it because they, they, they think they can pick it up by Googling it, but they can pick it up by... And this is the problem with the industry. If someone's working on a, you know, a yogurt brand, they can just Google yogurt commercials. They can kind of emulate, copy, yeah. kind of yeah. forensically pull it apart, but they don't know why someone came up with... So we have a generation, maybe two generations of people who they don't have to do something original or create something from scratch. They don't have to cook with the basics. They just sort of get it all pre-packaged. You, when you, you get people that come into the agency that are, are, will come because they have access to certain people. They've heard or they will stay because they've got a good mentor. Whether or not, and you know what our industry is like, you can go from being a, you know, a, a junior executive and get offered a job at Twitter or something for three times the amount you're on but we've had a lot of instances where people will stay because of the people that they're surrounded because they get to learn so it's what attention to all at the same time for sure and you don't want to lose those people too mentoring shouldn't be a scheme it should be a way of life intrinsic in every agency that the higher ups walk the floor sit down with people and just be real and it's not a show and it's not a now I'm going to mentor you you know, it's like love. It's not a word, it's an action. Yeah. And if you really care about somebody, I'm not saying in a loving sense, but if you really want to mentor someone, it's real. It's, sometimes it's non-verbal. Sometimes it's just a... It, it's having that intimacy to talk about a particular thing, 
show how they complete it and then they own it. It's like it's teaching a person person to fish rather than just giving them a fish, you know. Yeah. Mm. So um, last night, Sean, you also said something which I thought was interesting um, in terms of the way the industry talks about itself and the work it does. Yeah. You said that clients aren't the enemy. Mm. And I think that's really interesting because a lot of the... Um, a lot of the clashes that, that you know we talk to about the pressures that agencies are under is because the, the client wants this or demands this or we couldn't do that because the client wouldn't let us or so mm. what what's the problem there? Why do people view clients as the enemy sometimes? Because I think the the in their priorities are mixed up. They're they're trying to, in an industry, do work that they can self-aggrandize with and move on to another job and move on to a higher pay scale and, and win awards and recognition. And if awards never existed, I think there would be a more genuine and, and probably straight line interest in the client's priorities first. Unfortunately, we, we, we're selfish creatures and when you get over that and you actually worry less about you and how, how your career is going and worry about the clients, there's a li- there's such a liberating feeling when you when you don't have to care about awards anymore, and you can actually just concentrate on on helping the client's bottom line. It it really is just such a, a relief not to have to worry about. It. And that sort of liber you know liberation and freedom comes with owning your own agency. I've been very lucky that I've not had to worry about where well, I win another creative award. I, all I worry about is making sure that my client is in business next year, that they're getting uh, increasing their advertising budgets, that they're wanting to spend against advertising, which is good for their business, and, and, and that's the priority. And then after that, if you've done great work, then it's a win-win. If you don't do that, you won't be in business. No, no joke. You're like It gets overlooked and you hear it so often that it's about the work, the work, the work. No, it's about whether the work is affecting the client's business. It's and then the client, you, will the keep, client, you will grow really. a successful business based on that, and you will, you will win awards based on that. It's true. It's it's so funny the things that like get get overlooked that are so fundamental. Like mm. I'm sure you guys sort of get this where you get a brief that has no objective from a client, and you're like, well, what are you doing it for? You can't just do it. Mm. So it's kind of fundamentals of the business side. <laughs> what is this? Get so, <laughs> yeah. get so overlooked. That's yeah. a really good point. Right. You know, I, I've seen many a briefing template in my time, and the only line I would ever look look at was the business objective yeah. and the, I kind of would go what what do you want consumers to do yes. once they've seen this piece of yes. communication ring a phone number click a this yes. you know send a that yep. you know kind of do a yeah. little dance I don't, but just tell me what the business objective is and I, I kind of ignore everything else yeah. it, it's horrible and never made me a popular with strategists but um, to be no. honest it was always a Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Because you are strategic. That's what's the, the funny thing about they... it's, it's three questions straight up. If you can't answer this, then you know there's no work coming out of you. No. Who are you talking to? What am I trying to say? And what are you asking them to do? And if you don't have those, then there is no work. You know, a lot of people sometimes will say, you know, what do you want me to say and what channel does that go in? And then they'll go away and create, but it just goes no further. It's yeah. different. Mm. So moving on to one of the other the slightly kind of more lightweight things mm. on oh, yes. the kind of topics to, to talk about. So emojis, talking about channels, right? So what do you want? You want an emoji campaign. There, this week alone, I think there's five different brands doing campaigns that are emoji based. I'm a big fan of emojis, I put them in pretty much every message that I personally send. Mm-hmm. But Is it because you have intimacy issues or because you Probably. <laughs> right. But they are they have become very quickly a huge part of the way people communicate and yep. so they've become a, a thing that brands have adopted. I don't know how I feel about emojis in advertising. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Rach, what what do you think? We had Pepsi did something this week, fans had something there where emoji-powered outdoor ads, the Always Like a Girl campaign is kind of talking about the, the female emojis and how they're not particularly empowering. Well, that was the one that bothered me, to be honest, because I think the first Always campaign had quite a nice sort of message attached to it, mm-hmm. and then to flip it and start talking about something yeah. quite trivial I thought was a bit disappointing, but... I think emojis are, well, culture jacking, it's culture jacking. People use them, they have got an inherent meaning behind them and they're, you know, a shortcut to, you know, giving someone a piece of information that you need to give them. And so they're they're really valuable in that respect, but none of it matters unless there's an idea behind it. Emoji is not an idea. And so you see, that's where the difference between a good campaign and a bad campaign that's using emojis is one has got an idea behind it and one is just using emojis. And that's where you can see that that kind of is the filter between good and bad. And so emojis are good. They're just devices there that you can use to deliver a message. But what's the idea? You know? yeah. mm, I, just, I just think, wake me up when it's over. <laughs> and I'll never look at an eggplant in the same way ever uh, Yeah, again. no, I personally yeah. don't like emojis. <laughs> if someone said, this is probably a cultural, if someone sends me a message, please, you can feel free to send. But I, I do, ju- I do <laughs> yeah. judge people when they use emojis because I mean, don't you know, yeah. don't you have, like, can't you express yourself in words? Like, I write like words for a living. I feel like I should, I should kind of disagree with the yes. whole emojis. Like, yes. I don't shorten words. I don't do use instead of the words why are you. Mm. But emojis, I'm completely on board. And mm. I, it's changing the way that I communicate. And I feel mm. like I should have the opinion that you have, mm. but, I'm, but I'm you don't. For it. I'm, I'm not sure I'm understanding your tone at the moment. Can you send me a picture so I can because <laughs> I've lost all right. ability to gauge your what you're yes. saying here do that, do without I a picture. Sort of the, the winky emojis. Can you just <laughs> winky at me so I can just totally get what you're saying beyond all yeah. reasonable doubt? Lol. I know that's not an emoji, but it's like saying lol. <laughs> it has become pretty ridiculous, though. Yeah, yeah the, the fact that you can you can change the colour of your emoji to suit your race and like is just really yes. Aren't we, just, aren't we all yellow you, and got round it just, faces? It says you're just going. Well, that's just complicated, isn't it? But the but they, I think it's interesting that Facebook have got emojis now, but they're 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 like version one point 
Oh, you're talking about the reaction. It's, it's like the yes. Yeah. Isn't it? It's a bit odd. I find it a bit odd. odd. Oh, you know the one that I actually kind of are interested in, and I just re- realised it. Is it the eggplant? It's the, the bit... Um, you, you keep my eggplant slash slice of pizza out of this. <laughs> um, is the bit emoji... Have you seen that where you can make the picture of yourself... Oh no! Oh, this is this oh, is so hype right now in the US. You can take so Rachel, you got your bangs, you got your nice little thing happening. You make a little, you you um, grab the bits of you that are you know signify right. you, and then it gets blasted into like thirty different. They're called bit emojis, and it makes you into a little emoji. Oh, so right. that could be a, a, so an you, emoji. Yeah, you're an emo- you're an emoji right. Come, so coming to a coming to a do. smartphone near you. So it's it's hilarious and it's kind of it's kind that's kind of an advanced form of it. You kind of know and it's kind of Plus funny. An emoji. But you're yeah, you're you're you, you're your own little emoji. I wonder I just wonder about the lifespan of it. I think that it might not be personalized for that much longer be homogenous because the tone factor is a and everyone can serve up an eggplant, but it's the things that go around it that really express what you're trying to say. So. Yeah, and I think that's always the danger when when a lot of brands start doing something that it it's, it stops it stops working. Yes. Right? Like the first, I think the first major one that everyone had talked about was Domino's and ordering a pizza with pizza emoji, oh, yes. and I think that's quite that's quite smart. And it was the first kind of major thing, but now you've got everything stops being stops being effective. <laughs> The advertising industry often has a hard time proving its value, with a lot of people in other industries not really recognising that advertising plays a big economic role. This is something that the Comms Council was looking into last year to try and put an economic value on the advertising industry in Australia. It's something that's been done in the UK for the last sort of three years, so there's kind of there's kind of form for it. But this was the first time that it'd been looked into in the Australian market. The, the Australian advertising industry's contribution to the GDP is 11% and um, internet is 13%. And it kind of frames the importance of the advertising industry in delivering. If you go, the internet is 13% of our GDP and advertising is... It's a really important thing. I think we dismiss it. But what it does in the economy is massively significant. The value yeah. contribution is huge and I think we should be... And we should recognise it in that frame we often don't we think it's a fun creative industry but and that it is but but it has a true impact on society which leads to that sort of second point attracting people into the industry i think those two things work we want we want intelligent people in this industry that feel like they're contributing which is just a human truth and those two things work together so i think it's incredibly important how does the industry then take that and use it to to build itself up and build its perception Probably by advertising. I don't know. It's, oh, <laughs> that's exactly the first thing I thought. Were well, we advertising that? Yeah, advertising was very bad at advertising. You know, that's why agencies are they're terrible at doing their own brand because it's kind of this weird. It's just, it's a weird sort of. Which um, is strange to me, right? I think if there's something that advertisers should be able to do, it would be advertising their own brand. You think, really wouldn't you? Yeah. We we struggle um, in finding. Um, as an industry and certainly as our own agency what our centre of gravity is in terms of our message and what we want to be because we are essentially doing the same thing as everyone else but then there are cultural things you know things that you know culture eats everything else for breakfast it's been said so many times 
but it is so very, very true. And if you have a culture of um, excellence, you have a culture um, of, of attitude, um, they are your differences and that's what you kind of look for when you, um, you know, when you're trying to position your agency and sell your agency. But um, yeah, I, I, I know where I'm going with that. <laughs> We're very sort of uh, George, George Bush, too. Jeff Bush, low That's energy it. moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. too, it's too political. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talking of politics, mm. yes. that's, that's another exactly. interesting one. Yes. So uh, from, from the US and Australia elections this year, um, I would say that the political advertising and campaigning in the US might be a little more sophisticated and possibly a higher standard than, than what's coming in the Australian market, but that might be unfair. So Sean, your perspective from the US and I guess um, what's going on here. Political advertising, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton, what's what's going on over there? Yeah, it's, um, it's a fascinating time and um, I am hooked on Donald Trump. I'm hooked on him like you wouldn't believe it is the most interesting sociological thing that's going on because if you if you take it back to brands and what we do and just look through that lens politics as a brand is just stuffed at the moment people hate politics and politicians and that's why Donald Trump is doing so well mm-hmm. because there's politics there and there's Trump on the other end of the spectrum he's not trying to be a politician he's trying to be Donald Trump and he is igniting the frustration that people have with politics. And we had our own Donald Trump two years ago. We had Clive Palmer. Yeah, that's right. And people forget forget that. Yeah. He was also a backlash to politics. I mean, every time I've come back to Australia, I've had a new Prime Minister. I mean, seriously, I've yeah, been away for two years. Every time, like, there's been four of them. I can't even remember who. Who was the last one? Who's oh, Tony Abbott. Tony that's, Abbott, right, the, the yeah. The said about that, the best. Yeah, exactly right. But, but there is, brand politics is just on the nose at the moment and um, for very good reason because it has become an over-processed, predictable rhythm and people just don't buy it anymore. And so Trump has come in, broken up the rhythm, done everything against everyone's instructions because you think about political correctness, I mean, he's called Mexicans rapists, he's, he's been misogynistic, he's, yeah. been, he's d- done everything, and every time he does something, he just goes up in the polls yes. because he is unlocking a frustration, and it's not what he's saying, and people aren't buying into it. It's the fact that he's just smashing politics. So how does, how does politics then, whether it's in the US, the UK, Australia, how does politics then rebrand itself because everyone does hate it. There is this inherent lack of trust in all politicians. It doesn't matter what party. How, if you had politics as a client, what would you, what would you be doing? Find a way of making it relevant. I just, I don't know, and I don't know what that answer is. I'd have to think about how you make it relevant because it is just not relevant. And I, even, I look at the US, and Australia is just an embarrassing version of the US at the moment. But I have no interest in voting, but I am interested in the content because of the comedy involved and the fact that it's got currency in conversation. Mm. So it'd be a a task of finding how to make it relevant again. It's it's kind of surprising that politics would lose its relevance, right? Because it it impacts on every every single thing that everyone does. You know, you come to work and it's kind of guided by 
the impact of politics. Yes. You know, you, any kind of healthcare is obviously guided by by politics. The, the drinking laws in Sydney that we were talking about that's guided by politics, and yes. that's your social life and, yeah. and what you kind of do. So for politics to lose its relevance is it doesn't it doesn't touch you day to day though unless you're a certain person in a certain situation. And so the, probably the most we see of politics is is on our paychecks with the you know tax. And that's probably if you know someone was just lobbying about tax the whole time they'd probably get a response from people. But that would be that would be opening up getting people to f- behave a certain way out of fear or that's relevance. It's not saying that politics would be cool again. I don't think I don't think Australia, and this is coming from a media perspective, gives Australians access to those points of views. But what you find in the US around these political agendas is what they spend on politics and campaigning is a thousand percent more than what we do. And so you create this social norming and you create people thinking and believing and having access to that information and that opinion. But we're really shit at it here. Really, if we got our hand, if I got my, uh, no, you might not want to be involved, which is why I changed it to I. <laughs> but if, if I got my hands on a political campaign in this country, from a media point of view, in our business, we would do a very different job to what they're doing right now. Because right. people, they have opinions. Trump is, I think, part of his success is because people have access to his beliefs. Mm-hmm. And the more they hear it, the more they believe in it. And that's the role of great media. So he's got a shit message, but it's great media, and now people are starting to work. Yeah. If you had a good message of great media, then it would be phenomenal. Thank you both for joining us for podcast, and thank you everyone for tuning in. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.